0: Too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Are you overworked or are you overworking? Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. How has life been treating you, but most importantly, how have you been treating yourself? I, (laughs) I've been well. Honestly, I've been really, really busy. Um, I work has been busier than usual and, um, I had some. I got some really exciting news. I, I am part of the Caress and iPhone Women's um accelerator. So it's been really, really fruitful, um, really informative, and more work than I anticipated. So I, I'm just gonna go ahead and apologize from the top, <laughs> um, for being MIA. And it's not that I don't even have the content. I have um interviews that are there just waiting to be edited and honestly if you're not a podcaster um you wouldn't realize how much time it takes to edit one episode so even though I may have a conversation that is about 30 minutes it takes hours (laughs) to edit that down um to make it seamless and condensed and you know as best as I can in terms of audio quality so I apologize I am working really hard to be able to um continually outsource my editing that way I can have the episodes come out in a more timely fashion because that's important to me. Um, so I apologize but let us get into it today is part two of the author series. I had an amazing conversation with Celeste Headley she is an award-winning journalist um, she has been on a part of NB. Um, NPR, PBS World, PRI, CNN, BBC. She's a public radio host, public speaker, and the best-selling author of We Need to Talk, How to Have Conversations That Matter, as well as Do Nothing, How to Break Away from Overworking, Overdoing, and Underliving. And her newest release is called Speaking of Race. So she is a self-described light-skinned Black Jew. (laughs) She's been forced to speak about race and having which includes having to defend and define her own since childhood. In her career as a journalist for public media, she's made a priority to talk about race proactively. Honestly, the majority of the conversation, we um, spoke really about um, her book called Do Nothing, How to Break Away from Overworking, Overdoing and Underliving. That book arrived to me in such a timely, at a timely fashion because I'm still struggling with the internalized capitalism. I always feel like I need to be doing something that I am only valuable when I'm producing. And I feel guilty by resting, giving my body what it needs. And I think I am not alone. A lot of us feel that way. Many of us are starting to wake up and starting to undo the internalized capitalism, but it's a lot of work just to undo our programming. So the conversation is really good. It's really rich. We talk about um, conversations that she's had as a very light-skinned black woman. Um, she has. She's been been put in very awkward situations because people have thought that she was white and have said some really disgusting things to her. So we talk about that. We talk about, of course, how to break away from overdoing and overworking and all of those good things. It's a really rich conversation. And we talk about how um, millennials and Gen Z are really trying to undo all that we have been taught. And, you know, we have to... Give thanks to those who came before us. I think the reason that we have been so, uh, we've been so bold in our career choices and so bold in leaving those toxic systems is because a we've had amazing people who've come before us who've paved the way, um, like the Gen Xers, and yeah, we we don't give them enough credit. But anyway, I'm rambling now. I thank you so much for joining. I am so so glad you're here. Be well, sis okay so I am so excited today. I am kind of um, geeking out a little bit. I have Celeste Headley on the show with us. How are you Celeste?
1: I'm I'm pretty good. I mean it's Friday so oh, I'm God. I'm almost made it. I know right <laughs> every Friday feels like a victory um, yes. so yeah I'm doing pretty well
0: Good 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 and you know what's crazy is, is that it's Friday but I feel like you close your eyes and we're right back to Monday It's just. Oh, no. We need three-day weekends, honestly, because two days is not enough.
1: Yeah, I'm about ready to claim them for myself, which thank goodness I'm in the position where I can, but I'm I'm getting ready to implement that change of just permanently leaving either Monday or Friday off of my week. I love so, it. So, yeah.
0: I love it. Yep. Uh, I, I have some time before I can get there right now. Yeah. I have some time, <laughs> but I want to talk about a couple of things with you. Um, uh, first of all, I love do nothing. I read it at the the best time. Cause I was trying to detach myself from being so attached to my work, constantly going. And I had a talk with myself, like, girl, you got to sit down. You have to really make space to rest, yeah. um, and to live, so it was really at a a good time. So I wanna know what inspired you to write Do Nothing because it's not necessarily very an American thing um, to embrace that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wrote it, I was trying to solve my own problem, right? Um, I was trying to figure out why I was getting more of what I said I'd wanted most of my life and feeling worse. Like I, I had more autonomy, and I had more money for the first time in my life, and I had more, you know, credibility and more clout, and I was exhausted all the time and stressed and irritable, and, um, you know, canceling plans to go to my friends' parties and all that other stuff. And so I was trying to solve my own problem, and as I was starting to do this research, not to write a book but to fix myself. Um, When I was talking to my friends about what I was working on and their responses was like oh my God when you figure it out tell me because that's where I am too and that's when I started to realize oh this isn't me it's us like this is our problem Um, and that's when I decided to turn it into a book.
0: Yeah. and we're grateful for it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My
1: pleasure. <laughs> um,
0: I actually saw, I think a couple of days ago, you tweeted about um, that. There's an article I guess you must have come across or read um, saying that millennials are just lazy and this, that, and the other thing, right? Yeah. So a lot of us are starting to wake up and we're like, there has got to be more to life than just chasing the next achievement, accomplishment, promotion, constantly working 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 we're trying to like reassess things but then we see articles like this that make us feel so guilty and feel so shitty about trying to make some changes right thoughts the, on the, yeah.
1: yeah the article I and I and I apologize if I'm not getting it exactly but the article's headline was snowflake generation why millennials are too soft and who's to blame and so here's the thing (laughs) (laughs) i am gen x but i have nothing but love for the millennials because they are the first generation to finally say after two or three hundred years whoa nope (laughs) nope (laughs) nope to all this this capitalist crap that people have been selling us no to this work long hours and you'll get ahead that we've been told and is a complete lie um we're opting out Right. And and we're opting out and that's OK. Well, it's not OK, but if that means we don't get to own a house, if we're renting right. for most of our lives, that's what we'll do. And if that means we put off having kids, that's what we'll do. And if that means, <clears throat> you know, we have to move from one job to another job, to another job, that's what we'll do. And I mean, kudos to the millennials for doing that. Um, they are the opposite of the snowflake generation. They're the toughest ones who are ready to stand up and say, Absolutely not. I'm not buying this line of crap, but they're just getting blamed for everything. And not only that, but um, I mean, I think it's been pretty well proven that for a, a, well, at this point, Gen Z new graduate, life is harder than it was for our grandparents. It's harder to get loans. It's harder to get a good-paying, solid job. It's harder to have the kind of benefits that pay for all of the health care that you need. It's mm-hmm. harder to get paid vacation. Everything's just harder unless you're already part of the wealthy elite. And you know what? This is so common. You know, because I think about this for women of color also, because it's like it's so common for conservatives to look at at at, at liberals, for example, politically, and say, "Oh, snowflakes," right? or they tell a, a woman of color if she complains about inequity or injustice, you're too sensitive, right? You're too emotional. Yep. Um, and I think to myself, are you insane? Do you have any idea how many microaggressions we swallow every single day? The things that would absolutely piss you off and we know they piss you off because we've seen the videos and, and we, we, we just walk through 20 of those before our morning coffee. Yep. So you want to talk about resilient, you're looking at it right here. I mean, turn Mm -hmm. that camera on yourself there, um, white baby boomers. Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, I'm speaking in generalities, Mm -hmm. but this whole, the use of snowflake or the use of soft, Mm -hmm. it's it's insane. It's insane.
0: Yeah. And and (laughs) yeah, um, I agree a thousand percent. And I think They have to do these mental gymnastics to make themselves feel better, right? In order to sleep decently at night, you got to make, you have to convolute things to be okay with, with how you're, you're doing things and your unwillingness to grow, right? And, and. You talk about the millennials, and I'm really proud of the strides the millennials have made. But I see so much in Gen Z. Gen Z is really going oh, to change I things. Know.
1: I holy agree. smokes! <laughs> I know. I agree. They are not having it. Nope. They are not having it. Nope.
0: You and know, I love and my
1: it. my son's part of Gen Z, mm-hmm. and oh man not having it. Yes. like Tolerance is zero. And I love it so much. There's so many things. I just want to unleash Gen Z on it. Right. Like, yes. But I don't, but I don't need to, they're like raring to go, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you.
0: The The fact that we they agree. pretty much grew up on the internet. I'm a millennial. So I did not like my formative years, there was really no internet. I, we got like the dial up AOL situation. Yep. Yeah maybe in like the end of high school and I <CA> really couldn't afford it. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, you pick up the phone and go. <laughs> it, yes. <Cincinn cevches> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, But I think because they've been on the internet since forever, their minds are way much more developed and just more accepting of different ideas and all constantly challenging um ideas and the way the status quo. And I love it. I'm, I'm still here for it.
1: I do, but to be kind to our gener- my generation and to your generation, um, there's also been a real penalty and cost associated with speaking up for a generation. And I'm yeah. not saying that's not true for Gen Z as well, but the the one of the things that social media has done that's positive Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that it has lowered that cost because you're no longer the only person speaking up that you you, there's other people as well but for our generations especially i mean if you look if look if you look at the statistics um when it comes to like racism or even sexism black women are among the first to speak up for a number of reasons, but they're also way more likely to be not believed both by women and men. They're more likely to be seen as troublemakers, loud, angry, mm-hmm. complainers. Um, they're more likely to be punished in their future performance reviews, um, see a, a, a diminution of their earnings, etc. etc. Um, so Again, just to be a show a little bit of compassion <laughs> to the other generations, there has been a higher cost yeah. associated with speaking up um, than there was. Our, our 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 talents weren't as portable. You know, leaving one job and finding another wasn't as easy. So yes, all power to Gen Z, I'm absolutely rooting for them. But also I feel like we need to be a little bit kind to our own generations as well
0: it's the top of the year and many of us have recommitted to taking better care of our bodies and if you're with me let me let you in on a cheat code athletic greens in order to ensure that i was given by the proper vitamins and nutrients i used to take a handful of assortments of big old capsules child i'm talking at least five to six separate pills each and every day and if i was in a rush i'd skip them all together because i didn't have the time however one tasty scoop of Atlantic Greens contains 75 minerals, vitamins, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in my diet, increase my energy and focus, aid with my digestion, and support a healthy immune system without the need to take multiple products or pills. I've made my routine so much simpler while ensuring that I give my body what it needs. So join me. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Yes, a free year supply of high quality vitamin D to help ward off the winter blues, upregulate your immune system, and so much more when you redeem your offer at athleticgreens.com slash Very true. Very, very, very true. And when you were speaking there, it made me think about how um, a lot of Black women now, I think, are like the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs because of the things that you mentioned, right? Um we're not believed when we speak up. All of these negative things are um projected onto us so we leave and we establish our own. Um so very 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 true.
1: I mean, that's my own that's my own experience and I'm sure that is with lots of others. You know, we have a group of of black women who support each other, you know, we go to you know, to bitch mm-hmm. with each other and 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 be like, yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. you're right. They're wrong. <laughs> is sometimes so Mm -hmm. empowering but that's all of our experience we were driven out of one job or another or not given raises or not allowed to grow and um and so we've all started our own things um I know one of us like she's in her 60s now and she's finally going back to the corporate world but she's going back as a boss Right, Like she left, she did her own thing, she really succeeded. And now she's going back and she's running things. So that's a really common, I I feel like there's a very common pattern for college educated black women.
0: Yep, I I agree. And I'm among those, I'm like so sick of the BS that really gets in the way of the work. So you know what, I can do this, let me do this myself. And then we'll see what happens in the future, yeah. Definitely agree. So I kind of want to um, go back a little bit and talk about your upbringing um, and just your background. First of all, I was reading your bio. You do so many things, not only are you, you're a writer, you're a journalist, um, speaker, musician too. I think that's incredible, oh, so multifaceted. Um.
1: Well, you know, you have to hustle. Um, you know, when you have job insecurity, you know, every time someone would offer me a job, I'd be like, "Yep, I can do that, <laughs> absolutely." And yeah. then you go and you yeah. get the training to do that. Um, so yeah, you end up, yeah. uh, you know, in at fifty, and you're like, "Yep, done that, done that, done that," because I had to. You know, single mom. Yeah. That's that's real. that's what survival looks like. So, yeah.
0: That's real. So real for for so many of us. Super relatable. Um, I want to go back mm-hmm. to your childhood. So you are, I believe, half Jewish and half
1: black. Yeah, I, um, my grandparents, so we grew up, my father passed away when I was very, or still less than a year old. So we grew up with my mother's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was black, uh, born in Mississippi and gr- raised in Arkansas. And um, his mother was born on a slave plantation in Georgia. And then he married a Jewish woman um, whose family immediately disowned her. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I mean, this is what it is with black families. Like, who who do you think was going to take those mixed race kids in? (laughs) Did you, did you think it was the white family? No. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I feel like, like so many other mixed race kids, I was raised by the black People in my family who never even hesitated for a second; they, would, they never even have, would have considered disowning a child. Um, right. So they lived in um, a neighborhood in Los Angeles that was the first middle-class black neighborhood in L.A., and um, we were surrounded by great food and people out on their porches. And I mean, that's that's you know that's how I grew up. So um, yeah, those are the people I grew up with.
0: I love it. Um, so I'm on TikTok a lot. Have you I have. delved into I, TikTok I at all? I feel
1: like I'm too old to be cool on TikTok okay. but I watch the videos. Same.
0: I, I watched the videos. <laughs> um so there was this one, I don't know how I ended up in this rabbit hole, but it's um mixed race kids who are white presenting and they were saying how like they've heard like the craziest things like their people who thought they were their friends. Um Out at themselves as racist, not realizing that these people are either um, also black or also Asian. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody has said the wildest thing around you? Oh my God! So many times.
1: So many times. I mean, this is. I feel like this is how I sometimes uh, refer to myself as the racist whisperer, because um, sometimes white people (laughs) don't feel threatened by me. Um, and so they'll say things to me they wouldn't if they knew my background. Um, and I have learned over the years to stop getting mad about it and see it as an opportunity, right? Because they're saying stuff to me that most of us don't get the chance to hear. Um, and so I've that's how yeah. I've learned to embrace it. It's taken me half a century but um, I I do. People say, crappy stuff to me all the time you know remember i i when i was getting my bachelor's degree i worked at a dinner theater in arizona and i remember the sweetest old uh older german couple um just the nicest people in the world i was just in the kitchen talking about how sweet they were and i bring them their check and they said you know how come there aren't any black families here and i said well you know in in arizona there's not a lot of african-american people live here And they said, oh my God, it's such a relief to look around the room and not see all these black faces. And I was like, "Um, I'm black and I'm gonna get you another waiter. And they're like, no, 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 we're not racist. And I was like, you absolutely are. I'm gonna get you another waiter. You have a great trip. And they ended up leaving me like a $40 (laughs) guilt trip, uh, guilt tip, excuse me. Um, but like, and there was another family that were, it was like a mom and dad and like five children and the dad had clearly had a couple beers. And he said, uh, why don't you guys sing, why don't you guys sing the national anthem? And I was like, well, we don't, you don't do that in a dinner theater. Cause everyone had to stand up. So we're not going to do that. And he goes, no, I mean, Dixie. And I said, you know what, I'm going to get you another waiter, <laughs> you know? I know. I mean, and and these are just the two that come directly to mind and it's happened so many times. I'm not in any way, shape or form Uh. complaining about my experience because compared to my friends who are very dark skinned, I am, it's been so much easier for me. But this particular part of it is something that light skinned mixed race people experience that I think nobody else does. Like this is our one little corner that is our own thing yeah
0: yeah unique experience and you for have sure, to learn how to deal definitely. with it um,
1: it's gonna happen <laughs>
0: and, and yeah unfortunately w- when I was like going through that TikTok rabbit hole like the things that you were saying or is what a lot of them were saying I'm just like I can't imagine and I, I think you have um you've turned it into something different like you have used it as a time to like educate people and everything but I can't imagine being a teenager or like, you know, a, a early t- 20 something who's having to hear like this really ugly stuff from people that they thought were their friends. Um,
1: it is, and you know, it's interestingly enough, um, a few times, like if it's been a coworker or something, cause people say the shittiest things when a black person isn't there. Like it is ridiculous. Um, and sometimes they get mad at me. Like they'll say something and I'll be like, "Wow, okay, I'm black and that was racist." Um, that makes me very uncomfortable and upset. And they get angry as though I've tricked them into saying something racist, like <laughs> Um, I somehow was the sleeper agent or whatever that was trying to catch them out with my gotcha <laughs> question or whatever. Yeah, sometimes they get mad. Um, which is an odd reaction. No, um, it's just, right. there's. I mean, it's just, there's so much fear and defensiveness and anger associated with these conversations about race. Like I totally get why people don't want to have them. I get why absolutely why black people don't right. want to have them. Um, I actually get why white people don't want to have them. I, I, I actually do. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying I, I get right. it.
0: it's interesting to me how what I've noticed is that people will be more upset when they're called on their racism and they're called like well that was racist or you might be racist then what their actual action is like again it's the mental gymnastics right (laughs) so for white people who um
1: don't want to talk about race in what way do you get it so um the, the most common form of racism all of us are going to encounter is this the, is unconscious bias, right? Most of us will never encounter mm-hmm. um, in, in regular life uh, an overt or hostile racist. Um, that's r- relatively yeah. rare. But unconscious bias and, um, and unconscious racists are everywhere. And what that means is that yeah. they think of themselves as fair. and and unbiased and like part of the good fight. And they think of themselves as inclusive and they don't realize the extent to which societal and systemic racism has just influenced all of their thinking and assumptions. They they can't see it, right? It's kind of like the way that the worst sexists are the men who think they're feminist because they can't see all the ways that society is just set up to be sexist. Right, so um, so for a, a person who's really well-intentioned and wants nothing but equality and justice, and they've marched and they've donated and they've read their Ibram Kendi and their Isabel Wilkerson, right? Um, and they say, they say they say something that they think is perfectly innocuous and a black person goes, you're racist, I get how upsetting that must be to them, right? That they, they, they don't yeah. know what you're talking about. To their eyes, they think you're being overly sensitive because they can't see, it's, it's unconscious. Um, yeah. And so like, that's where speaking of race came from is because I kept seeing this same pattern play out over and over and over again. And of course you can see it from the black person's positive point of view, of course. um. But then I started to see it from from white people's point of view. And I was like, oh, that must be so frustrating because they don't understand what they're doing wrong, which is making them afraid to say anything at all. Um, Because they truly believe right or wrong, they begin to believe that they can't say anything without being accused of being racist. Again, I am excusing no one. (laughs) I'm just saying, I, I began to see it from their perspective and I thought to myself, okay, this is something I, I know how to fix. (laughs) This is something I I know how to do something about this. Yeah.
0: Um, again, we appreciate it. Um, so I kind of want to, um, pivot a little bit going back to, to do nothing a bit, um, what does it mean to disconnect in a device addicted society, especially now where for many of us who still aren't ready to go back into the world um, because of the pandemic, where our devices is how we connect to the world?
1: Um, so you don't have to get rid of your device to disconnect. You just need to have times of in your day when, you, when you're away from them. Um, and that's not a moral judgment you're not bad because you have your phone in your hand all your time you just have to understand that your brain's not evolved to to handle it right like you're overloading your brain
0: yeah
1: um so again this isn't a value judgment it's not like again to go back to all the crap people heap on millennials that they're addicted to their phones just fyi Baby boomers are just as likely to be addicted to their phones as millennials. I just want to point that out. Um, but it's 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 just like understanding, um, objectively speaking, what your body's capable of and what it's not and what's going to overload the circus. And having that phone in your hand all the time will overload them. Your brain treats your phone like a tool, like a hammer. And you know, if you pick up a hammer, we know from watching brain activity, your your brain treats that hammer like an extension of your arm. Like it behaves differently with that tool in your hand. Mm. And so of course, if you keep that hammer in your hand all the time, it's going to change your brave's behavior. It's going to make your brain feel like you're working all the time. It's the same thing with your phone. So again, you don't have to toss it in the East River. You just have to find times during the day when you're away from it, away from screens. Don't take a break from your work by checking your phone. Walk away. Mm-hmm. give yourself five or 10 minutes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be all all or nothing. There's no binary thinking here. It's like, just take a breather.
0: Yeah, that's um, really enlightening. Um, I, I was reading something that said that suggested that possibly one of the reasons why um, our current society is many of us are so depressed or anxious is because we have access to so much information and, and so many thoughts of other people because they say that our ancestors only had like villages. So they might know maybe 50 max, like maybe a hundred people and interact with maybe 20 people a day. And we are on Twitter and we're on Instagram and Facebook and we're just seeing so many thoughts, so many opinions. Um, we're then reading the news and it's just a lot for our brains to handle. And it might be contributing to our depression and all that. So I, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and we have way too many expectations of each other, Mm -hmm. right? Like people will come up to me and go, Hey, it's, it's Joan from Twitter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the (laughs) ma'am. All
1: love to you, but I have 26 or 27,000 followers. Like I, (laughs) right. You know, we have these expectations. Mm -hmm. that people are going to remember like even though logically we know people aren't going to remember us Mm -hmm. you know we we get disappointed when they don't Mm -hmm. and and this is somebody you've only met on like facebook or something um we also have these ridiculous expectations in terms of speed we -hmm. think that because it's possible to to respond to an email immediately even if that email is about absolutely nothing they need to respond and if they don't we start going uh are you all right Right. hey did you get my email right we've the expectations have got to come down yes we are absolutely overloaded but here's another part of that is that the way to handle this is to stop pouring all your social energy into social media because social media is antisocial. it's not good for you it's useful for certain things but it's not good for you. And so you know you have this limited amount of social energy every day. And what we're doing is basically pouring it into a black hole that gives us nothing back, but we're depleted. We just got nothing in return. As opposed to say you call up your friend and you're like, I've had the worst day ever. And they sit there and talk to you for like 10 minutes. You're gonna get so much back from that. You're gonna get a mood lift. You're gonna have a a stronger feeling of, community and belonging. You get all those beautiful, wonderful shots of serotonin and oxytocin in your head. You get all this positive biofeedback, right? And so you don't feel depleted and exhausted. So stop. It's kind of like, I don't know if your parents ever said this, but my mom was like, don't rent for too long because you're just, you're giving someone else all your equity, right? Mm -hmm. That's the same thing is stop throwing all your money into social media who they're the only person getting bounce off of that is Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg. Like stop giving them all your equity. Yep. Spend your social capital somewhere else.
0: That is a word that is, that's powerful. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh, I need to do better with my time. (laughs) Yes. Um, I can talk to you forever. Um, I appreciate you. I don't want to go over time. So I, she is the author of three books. Am, am I right? Yes. Okay. So I am going to link them all down below. The most recent, is it Do Nothing or is it's it Speaking, Speaking of, of race? race? Yes. Beautiful book. Speaking yeah, of cool Race. Yeah, cool cover, quiet. right?
1: Like it's yeah, like Annie I love Warhol-esque. It. Yeah.
0: Very, very nice. They love it. So I will link them all down below as well as her book. Um, her social media and her website and all the good things guys go pick up the book. Um, let's step away from our phones. Let's read some more. Let's communicate with each other, like in real time, all those good things. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
1: My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.
1: Life's better with American Family Insurance.